things that are cooked in a crock pot taste better than things that are cooked in a microwave. I'd like to welcome Grant Baldwin to the Productivity Podcast. Grant, thanks for joining me today. Mike Vardy, thanks for letting me hang out with you, man. I appreciate it. Um, so you've got a new book that's out as of this release date of this podcast called The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Platform. Uh, where was this book for me You know, several years ago? Why, why, why was this book not uh, ready until now to be out? Because I could have used it. Well, we should have put it together a long time ago, but it took us a minute to get it all together. As you well know, probably better than I do, it takes a minute to put books out. And even from concept to uh, now what uh, what we hold in our hands, uh, it, it takes time with publishers, right? <laughs> so, uh, But nonetheless, it's out. So my, my bad, my bad. Uh, so I've seen, we've known each other for a few years now. I've seen you take the stage on many occasions, uh, including FinCon, uh, including... Um, Jeff Goins's tribe conference, including we were both uh, at uh, Chris Ducker's final tropical think tank. I'm actually looking at that photo of all of us, that group photo right now, as yeah, I sit here recording. Um, what kind of led you not to the speaking career? I want to get to that in a bit, but what was the impetus behind taking all of the lessons that you've learned and the strategy you've been, and putting them into book format? What was kind of the, the, cause it's, you say like, it's my bad and it, this should have been a, a while ago, but what was the impetus to say, Hey, you know, it's time for me to put this, you know, pen to paper and get this thing out there. Yeah. Well, a lot of it is around just what our business looks like today. So to back up just a little bit. So I was a full-time speaker for about eight or nine years and was speaking at 60, 70 gigs a year, uh, and really enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun, but I, I had a lot of people who were asking me like, Hey, I want to be a speaker. How do I do that? How do I book gigs? How much do I charge? How do I, you know, how do I, uh, find, uh, clients and who hire speakers and just all the ins and outs. And I felt like we had built really good systems and learned a lot about kind of just demystifying the speaking space. Uh, and so that's when, um, I started the Speaker Lab, our, our company uh, for a training company for speakers, um, four or five years ago, something like that. Uh, I started doing more and more of that direction of just teaching speaking and teaching the the industry of speaking and teaching how to find and book gigs. Uh, and so that's when ultimately, you know, what led to to doing the book is this is the core of what we do now is teaching people how to to find and book gigs. And so um, we took this actually was a a kind of a project with our mutual friend Jeff Goins, um, and some of it came from from him in terms of just the the concept and the idea. He is, uh, um, he is, um, uh, like a, a, a non ghostwriter ghostwriter on the yeah. book basically. Yep. Yep. Um, so he, he came to me and said, Hey, um, you know, you have all this content. Um, you know, what if we work together on the book? Like I'll, I'll take all the content, turn it into the book. It's all your ideas, all your IP. You have all these case studies and examples and stories and testimonials and yada, yada, yada. What if we use that, turn it in the book and I'll write it. I was like, that, that sounds awesome. I don't enjoy writing. It's not my favorite thing. Jeff's phenomenal at it. Um, and so it, it worked out really, really well in that, in that way. So in the book, you, you break things down to these five simple steps. When you're looking at these steps, and, and you can mention them, but I want you, rather than to kind of go into the depths of each one, which is the one that people kind of, that speakers you found have either undervalued or overlooked, and it's it's kind of 
made the house of cards not either not build as quickly or completely fall apart. Yeah. So I'll give you the quick, the, the quick high level overview. And then, um, and then I'll give you the one that, that where speakers have the most trouble. It makes the acronym speak S P E A K. So S is for, um, select a problem to solve, select a problem to solve. So this is where you get into figuring out who you speak to. What do you speak about? What's the problem that you solve for that audience? The P is for prepare your talk. So once you're clear on this is who I speak to, this is what I speak about. Here is, um, the solution. My talk, um, and the book digs into you know creating and delivering that talk. The E is establishing yourself as the expert. So your your website, your demo video, your marketing materials that just represent and show like I'm the go-to authority on this. Uh, the A is acquire paid speaking gigs, uh, where you follow a, a system to begin to to reach out to potential event planners um, that may be interested in hiring you to to speak. And then the K is know when to scale. Know when to scale, meaning that uh, a lot of people who are interested in speaking are also interested in uh, helping people via you know a podcast or a book, a course, coaching, consulting any number of other things. Uh, and so you can do all the things, but you can't do them all at once. Like something's going to come first, something's going to come last. So you really got to evaluate and figure out, uh, where, uh, like, like where speaking fits into the mix for you. Now to your, to the other question there, of how do you build this? Now, this is that the 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 framework here is meant to be linear, meaning that you need to go in order. And so the uh, the S is where I think a lot of speakers have the most difficult time, the selecting a problem to solve. Because for a lot of people who are interested in speaking, it's because we just enjoy speaking. Like speaking is mm. fun. It's a it's a rush. It's a thrill. It is uh, it, there's a sense of notoriety and recognition and prestige that goes along with it. So we just want to speak. And so what what that leads to is we think we can speak to anybody about anything. And that's just a horrible way to approach not just speaking, but any type of business. So one of the things that we say is that you want to be the steakhouse and not the buffet. Be the steakhouse and not the buffet. And what we mean by that is, is Mike, if you and I were going to go grab lunch somewhere and we were looking for a good steak, like we could go to a buffet where steak is one of a hundred different things that they offer and they're all mediocre. Or you could go to a steakhouse where like that's all they do. Like they don't do lasagna, they don't do pizza, they don't do tacos, they don't do anything else. They do steak and they do it really, really, really well. Uh, and so we 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 get that whenever it comes to like other areas of like just being able to specialize in something. Um, but for some reason, we think when it comes to us and speaking or just an entrepreneurial endeavor, we think that the more people we can speak to or the more uh, industries we can talk to or the more topics we can talk about, the more opportunities that we have. And it, it, it's actually the opposite is true. It's counterintuitive, but the more narrow, the more the more niche, the more focused we are, the easier it is to find and book gigs. And so I think that's the, the biggest challenge for speakers right. early on is just getting clear um, because there, there's so many different options and it's easy to overthink and overanalyze. And we think of the uh, the opportunity costs if I choose this path instead of that path and you know all on and on and on uh, and so we just kind of get this paralysis of analysis um, and and we end up like saying okay fine I'm just going to speak to anybody and everybody about anything I can possibly speak on and that, that just doesn't work well yeah because you can't get good at anything either like the totally. like you know like you said the buffet metaphor is really good because I mean when you go to a buffet you're like I'm hungry I will eat like Vegas is a great example like you're the yeah. buffet you hear is like oh this is a great buffet but you're if you find something that's absolutely amazing out of the menu there it, it's a bonus right and then you just go back and get that same thing like i mean i've done that a few times whereas if you go to a steakhouse and you order the steak you're expecting it to be good and you th there's a certain clientele that will go do that how when people are are, are becoming speakers and they're, they're working on their craft of, of being a speaker um, i think one of the things that's really tricky is um to convey that especially if they don't follow the step you just talked about which is trying to speak about everything is that authenticity piece what are some of the things that you recommend people do to kind of keep that authenticity you know alive as well as also um but yet still um 
have that polish there because sometimes people go in and I've, I've done this where I've been like, I'm going to be really authentic and wing it. And, uh, that is never a good idea, but yeah. you rely on that. And we'll get into some of the reasons I've done that in a bit, but like that authenticity piece, how do how do you marry that along with the, the idea of being, you know, that preparation piece and, and just not coming off as too, um, over rehearsed for lack of a better term. Yeah. Yeah. Very great question. Uh, there's a couple of things that come to mind there. One would be that, um, the, the way that you get more comfortable on stage is that you do practice like the best speakers uh, in the world. Aren't those that just, you know, I scribble a couple of notes on a napkin and then I hop up there and I hope it all magically works out. Like it, it just doesn't work like that. Like, um, you know, I know Mike, you and I uh, enjoy, uh, comedians and comedians are the same way. Like mm-hmm. they, they spend a lot of time practicing, rehearsing, going over their material, testing their material, trying their material. So that by the time they get on stage, when we watch something on Netflix, it looks like they're just shooting the breeze, talking off the top of their head, kind of making it up as they go. And the reality is, is like, it's not that way at all. But they've spent so much time working on it that it looks like it's effortless, but it is not. It, there's a significant amount of effort that goes into it. So I think that's a big part of it is knowing your material and being comfortable and confident when you get up on stage so that you're not so much in your own head um, with, with when, when you're speaking. The thing I would say is you, I think you have to have to remember that you are a human talking to a collection of other humans. Like I think sometimes we, we assume that, OK, I'm, I'm a speaker standing on stage and there's a collection of people looking back at me and it's it almost feels like this us versus them mentality. And it's not that at all. Like, uh, you know, Mike, you and I, we've been in audiences everyone listening we've been in audiences nobody wants the speaker on stage to suck nobody wants that like we i want you to be good like i because i'm sitting here listening like i want this to be interesting entertaining fascinating whatever it may be like i want you to be really really good so the audience is for you like they're on your side so don't feel like you have to um don't don't like overanalyze or overstress feeling like uh, you know they're they're going they're out to get me or something they're not they want you to be good for their sake um so i think that 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 that's a big part of it the other thing i'd say is uh, like you mentioned, the the remember that that as you're working on your talk, as you're preparing your talk, that uh, a lot of times what I will do is I will manuscript it out, but I'm not manuscripting it from the, the standpoint of like, here's a script that I need to memorize and recite verbatim word for word. I, I don't recommend that at all because, again, we, we've probably all seen speakers who are who are like that, that are just in their head, that it's so robotic that you're just like, you're, you're just a robot, like regurgitating a spiel versus like a human talking to other people. Uh, so I think it's important to really know know your material and to know your where you're going but don't feel like you have to to recite something verbatim the, the other thing i would say is like you know if if um if we were listening to someone sing, you know, the national anthem and they butcher the lyrics, like everyone knows that they butcher the lyrics because we know what the words are supposed to be. But if like you're, you're giving a speech and like you forget a story or you forget the punchline or you do things out of order or you forget a point, nobody knows, like nobody has any clue what's going on. Cause it's not like they, they're following along with some type of script and, Oh, wait, wait, you, uh, you're supposed to say this or you forgot that word. It's, it's not like that at all. So I think some of that just takes the pressure off that the audience wants you to do well. They want you to speak to them like they're other humans because that's what you are. Uh, so it, it takes a, it takes some of the pressure off of feeling like you've got to be something that you're not. I want to talk about uh, the 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 piece you talked about with the comedy piece, right? Like because you're right, we're both comedic fans, and and to what I alluded to earlier is I have an improv background, and I think improv is incredibly beneficial to anyone who wants to you know take it take the stage and do any kind of performance because you can react to situations, but you got to be careful because it can also become a, 
you know, you can rely on it too heavily. And I've done mm -hmm. that in the past where it's like, okay, well, even if this doesn't work, I know I've got my improv, so it'll be fine. And then those moments can, you know, you, 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 because you haven't prepared enough in advance, um, it can affect the way that your message is. But one of the things comedians do is, uh, especially early comedians. And I learned this when I was doing stand up early on and I watched the movie comedian, which I think is a fantastic movie. Yes. Yes. It, yes, yes. So good. Um, is no one, no one cares about you. Um, and I'm going to be, it's going to sound blunt, but no one cares about your thoughts on something coming from you. They want you to be able to relate to them. So no one cared yeah. about Jerry Seinfeld's thoughts on something until he became Jerry Seinfeld. And then they really did care, right? Like when that cult yeah. of personality shows up, how does someone, when they're crafting a speech, keep that in mind? Because a, when I've seen some sp speakers speak and from, from those who are, I've seen speakers who are really great now, um, when they started up, I've seen a couple where it's like, okay, this is more about you than about me the, as the audience. Yeah. How do you keep that in mind? Because that can be a really tricky thing. Yeah. So one of the things we talk about is, is, uh, whenever you're preparing your talk is remind yourself and think this through this lens that the audience is always asking themselves two questions. So what, and now what, so what, and now what, because the audience wants to know, like, maybe you tell this amazing story or maybe you, you have some type of like crazy obstacle that you've overcome or some, you know, crazy thing that's happened to you or whatever it may be within the talk. And the audience is like, that's great. But so what? Like, well, what does that have to do with me? Like, how does that apply to me? So the audience always wants to like the audience is thinking that your like your story that you shared on stage about um, your life. I don't care unless it applies to me. And so the audience is always thinking that through. There's so what and now what. So not only the so what part, but the now what of like, okay, that's a great story that you just told, or that's a um, a fascinating thing, a stat that you shared, or an interesting case study, or that was a good talk. But now what? What am I supposed to do with that? Well, how am I supposed to change or think or act differently as a result of that? So I think thinking through that framework and thinking through that lens of so what and now what uh, helps to make sure that you are you're really focused on the audience because it's not about you. The audience doesn't care about you. You're there to make them think, to help them laugh to help them do something different than, than how they came in. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, Grant's going to share with us how he suggests we deal with the whole patience aspect of becoming a good speaker, his views on using slides as a tool, and then the steps he takes when building an actual talk. 
Now, there's some steps that you can take if you want to take your career and your education to the next level. And the UCI Division of Continuing Education can help you do that. The UCI Division of Continuing Education has courses and certifications in a wide range of categories from business and leadership to IT, project management, law, human resources, and over 60 convenient certificates and specialized studies programs on campus and online designed for the working professional. Online courses are taught by expert instructors and they have industry experience. These courses offer flexibility and a real immersive online classroom experience that even allow you to collaborate with your peers. Online courses allow busy working adults like you and me to take classes at their own time and without having to drive to campus. Spring registration is now open. I want you to visit ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get 15% off of one course. That's ce.uci.edu slash productivityist and then enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING to get that 15% off discount for one course. Now this offer is only valid until July 31st, 2020 at 11.59 p.m. So take advantage of that while you can. The discount is available for almost all of the certificate programs. The exceptions only include coding boot camps, international programs, teacher credentialing programs, and test prep courses. So again, ce.uci.edu slash productivityist, enter the promo code TIMECRAFTING and get 15% off of one course today. When I've got a lot going on, I don't want to be worried about the minutia of the, the, the little things that need to be taken care of on a regular basis. That's where automation can come into play for me and it can come into play for you too with Zapier, which is a tool that I've been using for a long time and I absolutely love it. Zapier is the easiest way to automate your work. It connects all your business software and handles work for you so you can focus on the things that matter most, like, you know, building a talk, for example. I've got that talk coming up at the Big Ready I don't want to be worrying about all the other things that Zapier can handle for me. There's no more wasting your time on tasks that you know could be automated because that's exactly what Zapier was built to do. You just go to the special link that we've got here, zapier.com slash timecrafting, and then connect the apps you use most and let Zapier take it from there. Zapier lets you instantly engage with leads, send them to a CRM or a spreadsheet, and then notify your team so they can act fast on every single opportunity out there. And that's just scratching the surface. Zapier supports more than 1,500 business applications. So the possibilities are virtually limitless. Best of all, it's easy to build the exact solution you need in minutes without writing code or asking a developer for help. I want you to join more than 4.5 million people who are saving an average of 40 hours per month by using Zapier. I'm one of those people. I want you to join me. Right now, through the end of the month, try Zapier for free by going to this link, zapier.com slash timecrafting. That's Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash timecrafting. That's right, I'm Canadian. And you get your free 14-day trial. Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash timecrafting. Get your free 14-day trial with Zapier today. Zapier will make you happier. It's made me happier. It'll make you happier too. That's a lot to say, but I'm not done yet because I want to share with you my Productivityist podcast pick of the week. This time I'm sharing with you the three-month vacation podcast by Sean D'Souza. He made two vows when he started up Psychotactics, that's his website, back in 2002. The first that Sean said is that he would always get paid in advance, and the second was that he wouldn't let work control his life. He decided to take three months off every year. But how does he do that? Like, how, how do you make that happen? 
did you buy into that myth of outsourcing everything and working just a few hours? We, we just talked about outsourcing, but there are some things that you might want to take into account. And what this podcast does is it allows you to kind of get a behind the scenes look at what Sean has done so that he's been able to take three months off every single year. He's only missed one of those years since 2004. This is not a podcast about the easy life. It's not some magic trick or uh, magic pill that allow you to work less. Instead, this podcast, you'll learn how to really enjoy your work, enjoy your vacation, and yes, get paid in advance. I've only recently discovered Sean D'Souza's work in the last couple of years, thanks to my friend Brett Kelly. Uh, as of as of uh, you know this recording, there's an episode that I've just started to dig into. It's called How to Avoid Mastery and Use Five Minute Learning to Get Fluency Instead. And I've been doing that more on my YouTube channel with the you know the uh, first 20 hours, those learning experiments. Uh, so I'm really enjoying this podcast. I know you will as well. It's called the Three Month Vacation Podcast by Sean D'Souza. It's my productivity as podcast pick of the week. Now let's get back to my discussion with Grant Baldwin here on the Productivity as Podcast. The next question that I want to get to, which I think is, we hear, we live in this culture of hustle, like go, 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 fast, 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 now, now, now. Um, some people want to get paid right out of the gate as speaking because they're seen as experts, but they've never done a speaking gig before, or they're they're like, I want to get good really quickly. Um, what What's your advice when it comes to that, as well as the patience principle? Because I know in the movie Comedian, and you you'll you'll remember this too, unfortunately, the example they use is Bill Cosby. But I mean, this movie was made, what, I think it was in 98, I think, or something yeah, like that. Like it was, yeah. um, but his thought was the the amount of years you've been doing comedy is equal to the amount of years that someone would be living a life. So if you've been doing comedy for five years, it's like you're a kindergartner, right? And if you've been doing yeah. comedy for like 20 years, it's like you're a young adult. I think that advice can apply to to speaking as well, this idea of patience, because I think people are, are they they want it now and they want to be able to do it now, but it's not quite that simple, is it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it, um, one of the, in fact, right before we are at the time of this recording, I was, I was doing another podcast interview, uh, and they had asked, you know, something to the fact of like, you know, what do you wish you'd known at the beginning? I said, just having a long-term perspective, like it just, it takes time. Like you can absolutely be successful as a speaker, whatever success looks like for you. Um, but it, it it's not an overnight thing. And so, um, one of the things we, we tell speakers all the time is like, this is simple, but it's not easy. It's simple, but not easy. Meaning yep. like, you know, if you wanted to lose five pounds, what, what do you got to do? Well, there's two things you got to do. I am no fitness expert or, or dietary expert, but I know you need to pay attention to what you eat and you need to exercise and that's it. Uh, and so it's simple, but it's not easy. So the things that like, you know, we, we can walk through and teach people in terms of how do you find and book gigs is simple, but it still requires work. It still requires effort. And so uh, it still means having a long-term perspective on it versus thinking like, okay, I'm a, on Friday, I'm going to quit my job. And on Monday, I'm going to be a full-time speaker. Like it just, it just doesn't work like that. So you, you, you definitely absolutely, uh, have to have a long-term perspective that you, you can absolutely do this. Um, but it, it does, it does take time. And, and I would say like, just to piggyback on something on the, um, on that, that, um, documentary, uh, comedian is basically like, for those who haven't seen it, the premise is basically like after the show, the TV show Seinfeld ends, uh, Jerry Seinfeld is working on some new stand up material and he's going around to a bunch of these little clubs, like trying stuff. And 
he's like one of the most famous recognizable pieces people in television at that time and even still today. Uh, and he's just trying stuff and it's not working or it's bombing. And it's a very humbling thing uh, to, to watch. Uh, and so it's also recognizing that it, for him at the top of his game, he's still like working on the craft and trying to get better and trying to improve versus just feeling like, well, I'm Jerry Seinfeld, so I can I can do whatever I want and get away with it. Like it just again, yeah. it just doesn't work like that. Well, and he's focused. The interesting thing about that documentary, too, is that there's another comedian that's in there called Orny named Orny <laughs> Adams. And yep, he yep. is a struggling comedian trying to make it. And the way there, it shows their approaches, right? Which yeah. is very, um, it, that's that it's a character study and he got vilified like Orny Adams got vilified very, for that very. for a long time. But one of the things that I found, um, really fascinating, um, back when I first watched it, back when I was doing comedy, as well as even, you know, in the life that I have now in terms of time management, personal productivity are the tools that they used. So, uh, there's a scene where Jerry Seinfeld is literally like, I think he pulls over if I'm correctly. And he just scribbles down notes in, in a notepad or an index cards. Like he's just yeah. using what he has in his pocket. Whereas Orny's got like this spreadsheet, this Excel spreadsheet where his jokes are like the, it's all broken down like that. And it gets me to the talking about the tools and it, for speakers, I mean, there, you know, I mean, obviously there's going to be tools that you use to kind of, um, manage the actual speaking component of like getting gigs and all that stuff. And we'll talk a little bit about some of maybe, maybe not the tools you use, but like the time it takes and stuff like that. But one of the things I want to touch on is slides because people mm -hmm. will, uh, I slides can, for some people, like, what are your thoughts on that? Because I think that there's some people that are like, I'm all in on slides or I need these. Like if you're looking at that from, from your perspective, especially through your journey, like what are your thoughts on, on slides as a tool when it comes to speaking? All right. So slides should be exactly that. They should be a tool. So uh, one of the things we say is that slides should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. They should be an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Meaning that here's a here's kind of a barometer or a, a test. I think this through is let's say five minutes before you're about ready to go on stage. Every all the technology crashes. Your computer doesn't work. The slides doesn't work. The projector goes down. It's not going to work. Does your talk still uh, is your talk still able to stand on its own? Is it still a solid talk? Or if you're like, oh, I can't give yeah. my talk without the slides, <laughs> like, then you're not ready to give the talk, right? It should be an enhancement, not a replacement. Because there's absolutely, there are things with slides that you can share, that you can show, that you can't just describe in words, right? Um, but I think where I think the, the mistake that the speakers make is that it's just, it's easy to get so caught up in the slides themselves or to use the slides as a crutch or to use them as a... Um, uh, as your cue cards of what you're going to say next. And like, if, if you're just thinking about the slides, there's, I remember uh, speaking at a gig um, a couple years ago and I was standing backstage, there was a speaker friend about ready to go on. Uh, and they'd done a little bit of speaking, not a ton, but um, I was talking to them and, and asking them some questions and they were just so fixated on the slides. Just the slides, slides, slides. I hope the slides are going, oh, I can't wait for this slide. I'm thinking about what's after this slide. And just slides, slides, slides. Like the slides isn't your talk. Like if it's the slides is your talk, then just show a video. Like there's no need for you to yeah. be up. So I'm fine with slides. I personally don't use slides uh, because I, I, for a variety of reasons, I think there's a there's a lot of technical issues you can run into with slides that just is more of a pain than it's worth for me. Um, personally, I know a, a lot of speakers that use slides, a lot of speakers that don't use slides, and both can be effective. So the bottom line is like, if you're going to be using slides, they can be an incredibly effective tool, but just use them as an enhancement, not a replacement for your talk. Now, really quickly, did you start when you were speaking using slides? Cause I mean, I think most people learn the, like, I shouldn't rely on my slides, uh, as, as the talk or as the thing I need to have in my talk until 
So if you're listening as if you're as you're listening to this right now, know that this has happened to many speakers where you have slides, you're ready to go and they don't work. Like it's going, it, it is invariably going to happen. It's happened to me on a few occasions to the point where, um, and again, I don't rely on slides. They're there as a support mechanism, but um, to the point where I bring my own equipment if I need to. Like I, I would say, hey, here it is. Here's my, like, you know, uh, here's my laptop if you, especially depending on the, the event too. So I think it's important to keep that perspective. So did you, like, that must've happened to you at some point, which gave you this perspective, right? Uh, actually not. Uh, really? I just, wow. I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate to, I hate to. to no, no, that's that good. Part, right? I, I mean, that that's a myth that, that I often hear from people. It's like, I, I used to use slides until the one time it didn't, and now I don't use them anymore. Yeah, I've I've just never used them from the beginning. Um, and um, again, I think slides can can be great because if I, if I said, um, I'll give an example. There's a a speaker friend of mine who, um, when her daughter was born, had like all kinds of like major complications, and so she describes this. She tells this whole story and talks about you know the challenges, and then she shows a picture mm. of her daughter and like one of those pictures of like imagine like an infant like in the palm of your hand, you know, with all types of tubes and wires and everything hooked up to him. And it's one thing for her to tell the story. It's another thing to like see the picture and be like, oh, dang, like yeah. that's crazy, you know? And then like showing another picture of like, here's her daughter today who's fully healthy teenage girl, you know, and everything's good. Again, it's one thing to like describe all of that. And even like right now, like what people just listening, like we're trying to like picture it in our minds of what that looks like. It's something totally different to see it on the actual visual of that. So like that's again to the point where like slides can be really, really, really effective. But if it's just like the, the whole talk is based on the slides, then like there, there's no need for you to be up there. Right. I mean, one of the things um, actually, as we're recording this, I'm about to leave for a speaking engagement in Austin, Texas. And in one of my I, I am using slides for this because it's the type of talk that I mean, slides will be helpful, but they are not the the definitely they're a tool. And there is one point in the talk where I mentioned something. Basically, I mentioned why one of the real reasons why I'm focused on crafting my time. And we're going to get to this actually just relates to what you what, to you as well um, is there's a slide where I say this is why I do what I do. And there's a photo of my family. Mm -hmm. And that's like that. You can't like you said, you can't describe like you, to say for me to say um, and I do this because of my family. That's going to oh great, Mike. That's great. But if I say and this is the reason I do what I do and there's a big photo of my family on the, they're like, oh, like there's there's just you, it like makes it real. Right. Exactly. Those are real people that exist yeah. that I live in a house with and <laughs> I'm married to and I, I helped procreate like those are real thing, you know, so it does. It just it changes people's perspective and it makes it more like because if you describe like, or if you just even just say, you know, um, I do this for my family, it's like. I, is is that you know, just your wife or is that you know a, a bunch of kids or no kids or a dog or 19 yep. cats or like, I don't know but like it just it makes it real for sure um speaking of of family I mean you've got a you've got a family um uh and and uh we don't have a photo that we can show unfortunately because this is an audio program but uh traveling and the speaker's life to a degree like uh, I don't know how much you touch on this in the book but there is that um there is that that people need to take into consideration if they're going to start working towards, you know, being a speaker. How have you handled that over the years? And I mean, I know you, I, I mean, you don't do nearly as many, do you do nearly as many gigs before be, as you used to because of family now? Like talk about that, that harmony there. Cause I think that there is, there can be this work life, uh, harmony thing that can, that can, you know, for people who want to become speakers or are becoming speakers that that can kind of get a little bit out of whack. Yeah, I, I've got a bunch of thoughts here. So one would just just be, um, 
the, the nice thing with being a speaker or doing any type of speaking is there's no right or wrong amount to do it or way to do it. You know, so you get to you get to make the rules for the game. So again, there are some speakers who speak. I want to speak a hundred times a year. Uh, I will speak anywhere in the world, no matter what, whatever, uh, whatever the fee is or whatever, like based on their stage of life or their uh, their business goals or objectives. Um, and so it it they have all types of of freedom and flexibility to do that. And then other speakers who say. I want to only do five gigs a year. I don't want to go any more than, you know, an hour away from my house. And, you know, here's the type of group I want to speak to. Now, certainly limits your opportunities, but you can do that. Like, actually, just um, at the time of this recording, just this morning, I was recording an interview for uh, for, for my own podcast, for the Speaker Lab podcast. I was talking with a speaker friend, uh, and they were saying, like, I don't do gigs on Saturdays. Like, I just don't want to, I don't want to be away from my, kid, my kids. And I rarely do gigs on Monday because it means I have to fly on Sunday. And I just, I don't want to be gone on the weekends. And, like, you get to make the rules like you could just you get to decide like this is the this is the way I'm going to conduct business and so you 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 can decide that you can decide like I, I don't I don't travel at all I don't do thing I only do things locally and that's again that's all fine um, the other thing I would say is like some of this depends on like your your stage of life your phase of life and where you're at um, uh, also depends on on if you have other you know other uh projects going or other things going that, that generate, uh, revenue or income for you. Um, you know, because you can have one speaker who speaks a uh, hundred times a year for a thousand dollars each gig and they generate a hundred thousand dollars, or you can have a speaker who speaks 10 times a year for $10,000 each and they both generate the same amount of revenue. It's not necessarily one's better or worse. It's just, again, ultimately what, what they are, are trying to do. Um, the, for me personally, I can say that I I love speaking. Speaking is a lot of fun. There is nothing that that really compares to being in front of a live audience, and you're you're kind of walking on a tightrope there, trying to trying to help and trying to make a difference and trying to encourage and inspire them. The nature of speaking is that you do have to get on a plane, that you do have to leave your family, that you do have to go somewhere, and that's also just kind of part of it. That's part of the, the trade-off you're making there. Um, now, I think you—it's not necessarily like okay, if you get on a plane and you leave your family, like it's impossible to have a you know a, a, a healthy a healthy marriage or a healthy family. Um, unfortunately, I do know a lot of speakers who who have had a hard time balancing it and making it work, and whose marriages have ended in divorce. Um, I I certainly don't want that to be me. And so my wife and I, we, you know, you've met my wife. I work mm-hmm. really hard on, on, uh, on our, our marriage and our family to make sure that I'm, I'm, am doing a good job, um, of, of delivering on the, like the business standpoint and, and being a good speaker, but also, um, like if I do a great job with that, but I drop the ball as a, as a husband or as a father, like I'm doing it wrong. Um, so I'm really intentional about, uh, the gigs that I do take. And, uh, one of the things that like a, a quick little barometer or litmus test that we run things through is, um, if I'm going to go speak of something, how many sleeps is daddy going to be gone? Right. Cause I'm, I'm uh, like for some, I live here in Nashville. Um, if, and there's several things locally that I speak at, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm pretty easy to, to, to get to speak at something locally because I'm not going to be gone any sleeps. So mm-hmm. if I can go speak at something and I can be home that night and sleep in my own bed, or I could be home by lunch, like, man, I'll, I'll do those gigs all day. Um, it's where like this morning I got an email about a possible gig in California and they want me to speak for several hours. So I'm thinking like, okay, that's not just to fly in, speak once, fly out. Like it's going to take me a minute to get out there. That's a, a four or five hour flight. That's a full day of travel, uh, plus potentially another day coming back. So maybe three days gone for me to speak once. Um, and then you do, you really got to weigh the, you know, the opportunity cost on that. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like in order to be a speaker, you, you know, you're, you're going to have to sell out your family. Like, I don't think that's the case at all. Right. Um, but you do have to be aware of it and be, 
um, be strategic about how you, you balance the two. Last question before we wrap up, uh, the time it takes to construct a talk. And I mean, I know this can vary, but, um, whether you're giving a, a, like a keynote style talk or a workshop at an event or whether, I mean, cause I think that, that as much as this is, you know, the book is designed for, you know, the success, someone who wants to be a successful speaker, this can be done like in, internally too. Like for people who need to present internally in organizations, like there's a lot of great strategies that you present that are really, really powerful that can help those people too, that maybe can be used as a springboard for, you know, becoming a successful speaker outside of their, their day job or their organization. But the time it takes to, craft a talk i mean what what steps does do you take when you're building a talk maybe not the amount of time it takes because i know that talks can vary but uh what does that look like for you so that when people who leave listening to this episode today go okay this is all great but i want to like what what's the commitment of time that i'm, I'm going to be looking at or what are the steps that i need to take if i want to build something that is going to be memorable and powerful and uh, we'll, you know, not, and we'll have staying power beyond like this one presentation that I give. Yeah, I'll give you a couple of thoughts there. One would be to, um, uh, well, I, I'll put it this way. I remember someone saying one time that that uh, things that are cooked in a crock pot taste better than things that are cooked in a microwave. Things that are cooked in a crock pot taste better than things that are cooked in a microwave. Uh, and so the 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 more time, it's not necessarily like there's a, a direct correlation between the more time you put into it, the better the talk's going to be. But again, like we talked about earlier, if you are just going to, you know, scribble some thoughts on a napkin and hop up there and wing it and hope that it magically works out like that, that's not going to work. But if you really spend the time to really think through, you know, each story and each, each point and uh, how you're expanding on those points and transitions and intros and outros and, and humor and jokes and bits and all that different stuff, like it just, it's going to make the talk better because you really put the effort into it. Uh, now, one of the things I would recommend for those who are want to do this on on maybe not necessarily a professional level, but they they want to do more speaking beyond just you know I, I spoke at one thing at my at my job and and that was it um, is to not do a new talk every time you speak. Mm. So each time you speak, you're typically going to be speaking to different audiences, and so ideally you're going to be doing uh, some variation of the same talk each time. And by doing that, it makes the talk better because you're always getting that feedback of what works or what didn't work or this clicked or this didn't click. And you're, you're able to get that real-time feedback that helps you to refine the talk each time. So it's kind of like when you go to a restaurant, for example, if you go to a fancy restaurant, you typically want to have whatever the signature dish is that the chef makes because they've they've made that dish thousands of times and they've got it perfected versus like, I'm going to just whip something up and I hope it's good. Now, it may be okay because they're a chef and they can they might be able to get away with that. But uh, what you want is something that like, I, I know exactly what needs to go in this dish to make it flawless. Like that's when you when you go, especially if you're speaking on a regular basis, that's what you want to kind of think of it as is I want to, I want to, I want to cook the same dish every time uh, because I know that that's what works. Um, as far as just kind of a, a rough framework to, as you're putting together talk and a way to kind of think about this is uh, one of the most important things is really beginning with the end in mind is what like what's the point of the talk kind of goes back to the you know the so what now what so imagine like we're going to go on a, on a road trip for example if you just get in a car and you just start you just start driving like you're not going to end up anywhere um, until you figure out like okay here's the end destination there's a lot of ways I can go from point A to point B but until I figure out what point B is like I'm just sitting here and so you want to be really really clear on 
what's the point of the talk? And so, again, the so what and the now what? And then you can kind of reverse engineer and figure out what's the skeleton of the talk and how do you add some, you know, some stories to that? Uh, how do you add some, um, uh, you know, more of a narrative to it? And I, the other thing I would say is like, there, there's no like right or wrong way to put together a talk, you know? So some people would say like, we well, have to do an intro and then do three points and then a conclusion or, you know, tell them what you're going to tell them and then tell them and tell them what you told them. And like, like all those work, like those are all good frameworks, but also there are, are speakers and, and speakers and comedians who they give a presentation um, or, or talk or um, a stand-up set that is different than something you've seen and it still works. So it doesn't have to be like this, this cookie cutter formula that, uh, that you follow every time. Grant, this has been fantastic. Uh, those of you that are looking to pick up this book, you can get it now. The Successful Speaker, Five Steps for Booking Gigs, Getting Paid, and Building Your Flat uh, Your Platform? Platform. Uh, <laughs> uh, authored by Grant Baldwin with Jeff Goins, who's also been on this podcast uh, before. Uh, and again, uh, it all of us were at, we all spoke together at one event, which is really, really mm -hmm. cool. Um, Grant, where can people keep up with you and your work? And where can they get this book? Yeah, so the uh, the book, The Successful Speaker, uh, is out in Amazon and Barnes & Noble and wherever books are sold. So go pick it up. we got um, a couple free bonuses that you can also pick up if you go to thespeakerlab.com slash book, thespeakerlab.com slash book. Uh, but yeah, everything that we do for speakers uh, lives at thespeakerlab.com, thespeakerlab.com. Um, a bunch of free tools. We have a, a podcast over there. Um, I believe you've been a guest on, actually, yep. way back when. Yep. Um, and so we've got, a, yeah, we've got a, all kinds of uh, resources there for speakers over at thespeakerlab.com. Grant, thanks so much for taking the time today and being on the Productivities Podcast. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it, man.